Welcome to the FDN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their health issues. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. I'm flying solo for part three, the final part of this series, where we were diving into my mom's test results and her experience with the FDN process. If you are confused as to what I'm talking about, well, the last two episodes, here's the thing. I wasn't the only one in my family who had some profound experiences once they found out about FDN. My mom dealt with health issues for decades. I mean, literally over 30 years of health issues, technically kind of 40, before she was able to get help from a more functional perspective. And naturally, when you've been dealing with stuff that long, you've been to the emergency room countless times, you've been to doctors literally countless times, it's not that you're skeptical per se, but there's kind of a hopelessness sometimes. I mean, why would you believe that this next thing is going to be it when you've tried so many different things? Well, thankfully, my mom got to see the results that I got with the FDN system over the years. And she saw this and was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Because her and I actually presented very similarly with many of the things that we dealt with. Of course, she just had much more time for things to progress. But overall, conceptually, they were very similar issues. And she's watching these things go away in me and said, wow, that's pretty interesting. I could probably do that. And so this series was really special because my mom absolutely does not have to share her story. My mom is not a health professional. She has nothing to sell you, nothing to get from you guys. She literally just chose to share her story because that's what she wanted to do. She wanted to help other people and really inspire people with her story and let them know that it's never too late. We can get even the toughest of health challenges figured out. And when you're listening to those uh, those two parts, part one and part two, if you haven't already, please just keep in mind, I mean, she did a great job, but still, my mom is not someone who shares her story often, guys. This isn't something she's posting on social media. She's not telling everyone that she meets. Health is not a part of her life in the way that it is probably for the people listening and the people that come on here normally. That's not to say she doesn't take care of herself. Obviously, she does a great job at that nowadays. I mean, she takes great care of herself and does all the things that we do with FDN and then some. However, the point is, it's not like this is a daily conversation or even a weekly or even a monthly conversation with those around her. So for her to just get on off the cuff, she had like five bullet points worth of notes in her uh, note app on her phone and then went off with me for almost an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. I mean, that was just awesome, totally commendable and totally cool. I will be analyzing the lab results here and sharing some of the major findings with you guys because this is important. We need to know what's going on and I want to show you a real perspective of how the FDN Thrive system really works. Why do we use so many tests? Why do we use the tests that we use? It's for a specific reason. And so we're going to dive into that today. Believe it or not, my mom, as someone who is not a health professional, did not feel like diving into the lab results as much. <laughs> so thankfully, she left that to me. Okay, well, the first test, we're just going to jump right into it. Um, first test here is our fluids IQ test. It's the metabolic assessment. Now, at the time that my mom did this, this was several years back, it was a different test, but it was the same markers. Of course, guys, just so you know, we do not have all the time to touch on every little thing that we possibly found today. That would take hours. However, 
this is still stuff that we want to touch on and make sure we get the major findings across to people. The most interesting thing on here, right off the bat, was that her urinary bile acids were low. When your urinary bile acids are low, because they could be high or low, and they can mean different things depending on that, but here's some of the things that it's correlated with when it's low. You could have inflammatory bowel disease. But what's also interesting is that you could have malabsorption issues. Even signs of starvation can be seen in these individuals. So what happens to someone when they are experiencing malabsorption or starvation? Now, my mom was not starving, so she was having, and she didn't have inflammatory bowel disease. So that leaves malabsorption. And very interestingly, not only did she experience that, but I also experienced that. And I found, I actually took a, a completely different test at one point through a naturopath where I had such bad malabsorption issues as a 20-year-old that there's like a reference range on all these tests, right? You guys are obviously familiar with that. And you could be on the upper end, the lower end, or in the middle or whatever. Mine was so low that it was below the detectable range. That's kind of a problem. Because we can be eating the best food in the world, but if we can't absorb the nutrients, that's an issue. Now, what if we're on the standard American diet? Well, now you got a double whammy. You weren't getting the right nutrition to begin with. Add on top of that, you're not breaking down the food anyway. You're not absorbing the nutrients. Technically, I should be specific there. Breaking down the food versus absorbing the nutrients is slightly different. So... Don't uh, get me on that. I know someone will be well-versed enough to get me on that. Not the same thing. <laughs> but that's kind of an issue. That can certainly lead to many functions of the body being suboptimal. It can certainly lead to mental health types of distress when we are not getting the proper neurotransmitters produced because we don't have the right nutrients. Kind of a big issue, right? Let's go to the next one here. This one is pretty crazy in the sense that is it surprising knowing what we know now? I mean, no, but it's crazy to look at. It's one thing to experience these things. It's another to see these things on lab tests. And I had a, I have a great buddy who is an acupuncturist right in my local hometown. Such a, such a cool guy. I should just have him on this podcast one time. He has so much wisdom to share. So I might invite him to do that actually. But he... Him and I have some pretty objective conversations with each other. We are not afraid to kindly and respectfully challenge each other's beliefs and see what's going on, what's happening. Well, he asked me one time, and he meant this with the utmost sincerity. He said, Ev, do you think that it is actually helpful for people to see these things on the labs? And I really didn't have to think long about that. Because his question was very valid, and I actually think, obviously, the reason that he was asking was because he leaned more towards the idea that they would do more harm than good. And if I had to guess, I would say for the majority, maybe a slight majority, maybe even a vast majority, I'm not sure, but definitely a majority, I think that could be the case. But there is a fraction of the society, a large enough fraction for podcasts like this and for companies like FDN to thrive helping people, and an increasingly large amount of people, let's be honest. But a large enough amount that the test results are not scary. They're not harmful. They're validating. 
They are literally validating. I feel like I'm saying literally a lot tonight. I'm pretty off the cuff, so I apologize for that. <laughs> They're validating them. They let you know that these experiences that you're having that unfortunately have probably been invalidated by the conventional medical care system are indeed things that you're experiencing. So looking at my mom's hormone uh, panel, when we are using this test with our clients at FDN Thrive, one of the things that we look for is a cortisol pattern. Now, instead of just testing for one marker of cortisol, which of course you can get anywhere, we are actually testing for four different times that you have, uh, four different times of the day to see what the cortisol levels are at throughout those times of the day. If you're not familiar with this, a cortisol pattern should start quite high, this is all relative, quite high in the morning. It should dip a good bit down um, in the kind of like mid-morning to early, early, early afternoon, and then it sinks pretty low. So it's kind of, um, you know, a nice little curve that starts pretty high and just curves its way down. And as it goes lower and lower, it allows for melatonin to go higher and higher because those things don't really like each other, so to speak. You know, you want cortisol to be low for melatonin to be high and vice versa. My mom's pattern is completely tanked. Her pattern actually starts, if you can believe this, lower in the morning, the slightest, slightest bit of an upward trend in the mid-morning, and then just completely tank the rest of the day. I mean, unbelievably out of the reference range. If it wasn't for her health history, you would think that this person has something like Addison's disease. Addison's disease is where, it's an autoimmune disease, that for simplicity's sake, is going to result in an underactive uh, cortisol response. Totally tanked. And we kind of see this across the board on her, her, her uh, hormone test. Excuse me. Progesterone, absolutely tanked. Testosterone, absolutely tanked. DHEA, absolutely tanked. I mean, it's, it's not good. Now, why does this happen? Well, and this is a great example, not, I, I hate to use the word great here, but it is a great example of why we utilize all of these tests because FDN is not a system of taking test results and treating paperwork. Both natural and Western, especially Western medicine do this. What does that mean? We take the markers, whatever lab it might be, let's say blood work. Okay, it's either high or low, and we give something for that high or low marker accordingly. In Western medicine, it's probably a medication. In natural medicine, it's probably a supplement. That's not inherently bad, necessarily. What we never do, though, is two things. We never clinically correlate, and what, that's what, something that we do in FDN Thrive. So clinical correlation means, okay, we have this result in front of us. Does this actually match up to what the person in front of us is saying does this make sense and if it doesn't then we have to we're like five-year-old kids i always say that on calls we're like five-year-old kids at fdn thrive because we just keep asking why 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 is this happening why is this marker off why does this person not have symptoms that correlate with this marker being off what is the deeper meaning here what's the bigger picture that's one thing that we're doing 
The other thing that we're doing is in this system, because it's again a system, we're correlating this not only with the person, but we're correlating it with the other lab tests. Really important stuff. And so the reason that we're doing the hormone test is because, yeah, I mean, on here we can totally see this is someone that has a tanked system. This is not someone that got sick last week or probably even in the last few years. If you knew nothing about this person and you can only see their hormone test, you're going to know this is an individual that's been sick for a very, very, very long time. Her body's given up. Given up is probably the wrong term. It's not so much of a giving up because it's obviously still trying to fight. I shouldn't have said it like that. It's more that it, it has nothing left. There is no fight left. It's trying. It's saying we're doing everything we can. There is nothing left. We have no more to give. When we see this on someone who comes to us, what we're able to do is, of course, again, do the things that I talked about, correlate it with the other labs and clinically correlate it to the individual in front of us. But another thing that we're able to do is provide some what we call intelligent allopathy if the person chooses to use that. Now, of course, everything that we do at FDN Thrive, it's all self-testing. It's all self-treatment. You're doing these things for yourself. We're educators. We come in and we educate. You're paying us to analyze these things for you and give you a plan. And then if you choose to use the plan, that's fantastic. Intelligent allopathy is kind of a play on words. And I, I love that phrase because allopathy, if you don't know, is what the Western medicine model uses. It's the treatment of symptoms with drugs and surgery. It's the conventional system. So intelligent allopathy is a, a play on words because obviously we're not treating anything. But what we're attempting to do is hopefully lessen the severity of some of the symptoms that the individual is experiencing by using something that's going to cause minimal to no side effects. Great thing, right? Now, an example of this could be, you know, someone like me who uh, greatly benefited from Xanax in certain ways. I mean, it caused uh, some different problems, but I certainly wasn't anxious while taking Xanax, I'll tell you that. If I was able to find some relief in a supplement, maybe it doesn't work as well as the Xanax, but it is something that supports me, and I don't have any side effects. It's intelligent allopathy. I hope that makes sense. Now when we get to my mom's uh, GI map, that's a stool pathogen screening that we run in the FDN Thrive program, uh, that's pretty interesting stuff. First page actually wasn't looking too bad, but then we get to the parasite section, and we saw three different parasites detectable here, including Blastocystis hominis, which is a nasty uh, little guy. He is not there to have fun. He is Well, he's having fun for himself, that's for sure. He's not there to have fun with us. That is not something that you want in your gut at all. And then he had some little friends too. And they're causing all types of issues. That's a really good way to get some malabsorption issues, I'll tell you that. We saw very high candida. And what we are referring to there is because there's multiple strains of candida for sure. But we are referring to the classic candida that you talk about or hear about in I don't want to say the mainstream, but maybe the mainstream natural space. That's something that comes up a lot. Very, very high there. And please note, this is a, a historically hard thing to find on stool tests to begin with. So when you see it, that's one thing. When you see it super high, okay, like this is present. This is overgrown. And the reason it's able to do that is because Candida albicans is actually a strain that's already present in any normal human. So you can call it opportunistic in a sense because what it does is it sees, ah, those good guys aren't hanging out anymore. The host, my mom in this case, her defenses are low. 
well, it's time to party. And they are like some teenage kids. You know, when the parents go away, they break out the Jack Daniels, they break out the marijuana, and they're having a great time out there. And they do not want to go. Unless mom and dad come back home, they're going to keep partying until it's shut down. (laughs) And so, unfortunately, in this case, mom and dad don't come home. Mom and dad stay out forever unless someone comes in and actually comes and gets these kids. Probably not the best analogy, but hopefully a funny one nonetheless. We also saw something called H. pylori, and this is something many of you might be familiar with, maybe not. H. pylori stands for Helicobacter pylori. It is a bacteria that is believed to have kind of, I don't want to say started necessarily, but have been uh, was most prevalent in Africa, and it's believed to be in about 50% of people out there. Now, international travel, lowered immune systems, poor lifestyle has led to this being something that is a worldwide issue. Not the worst thing in the world per se, but really not something that you want, especially when it's high, especially when there's virulence factors. Thankfully, my mom did not have the virulence factors and she did not have it as high, but she had clinical correlation. This is a perfect example of the clinical correlation. If someone has H. pylori and there's no gut symptoms, there's no other symptoms that correlate with it, which is a long list. It's not high, like I said, and I think I said that, (laughs) and there's no virulence factors. Okay, maybe this isn't a first thing that we're going after. But my mom did have correlations with this. She had some gut stuff. She had a history of cystic acne that was treated with Accutane, so it's not like it wouldn't have been there necessarily otherwise. H. pylori correlated. Definitely another issue there. And what's really interesting, something that we found, two things that we found actually, is that H. pylori and blastocystis hominis like to hang out together. I saw those two things on my GI map. The other thing that's interesting though is remember, I said in Africa it's estimated about 50% of people have this. In America, the upper ends of the estimates are 30 to 40%. I don't have the exact numbers, but this is a very strong guess. I think this is actually a little conservative. I would say about 80%, 80% of people that are coming through the FDN Thrive program have this bacteria. Folks, if you don't know this, even though we have probably a better system than dang near anywhere in terms of chronic illness, there is no perfect test. There is no perfect test that exists. There's certainly no perfect stool test. We have one of the best ones that you can get, but it's not perfect. And so there always are going to be false negatives. It's kind of interesting. 80% of people, when it's supposed to be around 30 or 40%, and there can be false negatives. Now, I'm not saying H. pylori is this. You never never want to go down a rabbit hole here. Or think about just like a one-size-fits-all thing or just a quick fix. It's not that. That's not what I'm suggesting even. But it's interesting, nonetheless, that this many people are coming to us with these types of issues. We're also seeing very, very low secretory IgA. Secretory IgA can be looked at as kind of one of your primary immune responses. We actually have this in our saliva. There's salivary, uh, SIG-A, it's called for short. And then you also have it in the intestinal lining. And that's what we're measuring here. We're not measuring saliva. And when your secretory IgA is low, that's, uh, that's not good. 
It's another sign that things are tanked. And this is a very basic example, but I'm trying to show you guys how our philosophy works today so that you can make a decision for yourself if you're a consumer listening. Um, if you're a coach, you might just benefit from this educational-wise. But from a consumer perspective, you can see, hey, are these guys really different? I've been to a lot of functional practitioners. How are these people different? Well, this is a very basic way that describes our philosophy. If only I, If I only had this test and I saw a very low secretory IgA, I'm going to put pretty good money on the person having low hormonal output. And of course, we have that test for my mom and we can see, yes, tanked hormones. Now, why would I say that? When someone has active infections in the gut, secretory IgA is not going to go low. It's going to go high. And secretory IgA, since it is this primary thing that the body will use, it can stay high for a very long time, years. When it's low... It's the same thing as those hormones being low. It's not that the body gave up. It doesn't have anything left. There's nothing to do. It's trying. It's been trying and it's failed. It didn't work. And in these circumstances, it's kind of remarkable to think about what this level should be, how high my mom's secretory IgA should be, because it shows the amount of stress that the body's been under. And the reason this matters is because an untrained practitioner, a practitioner not well-versed in this, I shouldn't say untrained, I mean, I guess they're trained, but maybe not trained in the right way. When you see these markers, you got to know what to do. You have to know how to address the person in front of you and not just the lab work. Because my mom was a super high-energy person. That's just her biochemistry. She still had really high energy. And the Graves' disease thing didn't help. If you listened to the other episodes, you would have known that she had Graves' disease. So she appears to have high energy. You're going to think, oh, this is a person I can give a lot of supplements to or all this stuff. No. No. The body's tanked. It's not going to respond well to that. And a practitioner that's not well-versed and that doesn't have the FDN philosophy is just going to start throwing stuff at this and wonder why their client feels like crap. We got to take it slow with a person like this. One of the other things, and this kind of has to do with, you know, um, seeing the big picture with the labs and seeing the hidden things that aren't just on the surface with the numbers. You got to be able to relate test to test and marker to marker. When we see a low secretory IgA, there's another marker on this test called antigliadin IgA. Antigliadin is an antibody that gets produced for gliadin which is a peptide of gluten. Why is that significant? Because we can make a pretty dang good assumption that if the secretory IgA is low, then the output for the anti-gliadin IgA is lower than it should be. So when we look at my mom's results and we see that she's in the upper end of the range, but she has a tanked secretory IgA, you have to be aware enough to ask the question, what does this mean? What would this be if we did have a normal secretory IgA? Because this is already presenting as a person with a decent gluten sensitivity. Now it's presenting as a person with a severe gluten sensitivity. And sure enough, that's what we saw. We saw that on the food sensitivity test. My mom's whole immune response was compromised a little bit, so her wheat sensitivity was high. 
I'm not saying it was severe as I'm just suggesting, but again, you almost have, again, well-versed practitioner that's using all these tests is going to be able to see, hmm, would these food sensitivity uh, results be a little higher if this person wasn't tanked? Probably. Moving on here. Last thing I'll talk about is the food sensitivity test for today. We saw a pretty classic autoimmune pattern. Now, this is an interesting one. When I say autoimmune pattern, I'm not saying this is 100% clinical. This is something that we've noticed. We're seeing sensitivities to corn. We're seeing sensitivities to wheat. We're seeing sensitivities to dairy. We're seeing sensitivities to nightshades. I'm not even necessarily going FDN now. I'm kind of going Detective Ev. Something that I've seen and noticed is that, I mean, it's, it's well known that people with autoimmune conditions, the longer that they suffer, are going to, you know, generally, generally all autoimmune cases are not going to want to be consuming wheat. Fair enough. But the dairy thing creeps in, and then the nightshades creep in, and the corn creeps in. This is called um, cross-reactivity, which is different than cross-contamination. Cross-contamination, an example of this would be oats. This is actually a really good one, oats. So if you go gluten-free for the first time, they tell you to follow an acronym called BROW, and that stands for barley, rye, oats, and wheat. Now, someone that knows about this is going to say, well, wait a second, barley, rye, wheat, okay, that has gluten in it, but oats, that's a big deal? It is because there is so much cross-contamination, meaning that these crops are harvested together a lot, they're transported together a lot, that you really just cannot consider it safe, especially not starting out early into a gluten-free journey. Cross-reactivity is this more or less a theory. It's not fully proven yet, but it seems to be pretty solid. And there is, it's more of a scientific theory than a theory in and of itself. And it's this scientific theory that says when we are sensitive to something long enough, this is, I don't, not universally, but very, very much talked about in the world of wheat sensitivity, you're going to start developing sensitivities that look uh, two foods that might look similar. Now, obviously, a piece of corn doesn't look like a piece of uh, wheat, you know, or a strain of wheat, but to the body, it looks similar on a microscopic level. What was happening before is the body's creating this huge immune response, trying to fight the wheat. Now, of course, we know it doesn't need to fight it, but it doesn't realize that. It thinks this is an invader. It thinks this is bad. It thinks this is a virus or a disease or whatever, and it needs to get it out. Well, it can't do that. It's failing over and over again because, especially in America, you have cereal for breakfast, a sandwich for lunch, pasta for dinner, and a cookie snack throughout the day. So you're hitting multiple, multiple hits every single day of every single week of every single month throughout your life. And if you have a gluten sensitivity, oh man, this is not a good country to live in. This is not a good place to be living. Add on top of that, our wheat in particular is doused with glyphosate. You got a pretty big problem there. <laughs> it's really not a great thing. And so what happens is the body starts attacking these other things. Corn's a very common one. Uh, cocoa can be a common one. Milk, also a common one. Nightshades, very common one. And we're seeing this pattern in my mom. 
I hope that even with this food sensitivity test, as simple as that might seem on the surface, it just shows you how we're thinking differently at FDN Thrive. FDN, more than anything else, if I could describe it in a sentence, it is a way of thinking more than anything else. Most people are looking at that food sensitivity test and saying, oh, okay, this is high, this is low, this is medium, whatever, remove these foods, okay. We're sitting here thinking, well, wait a second, what did the other labs present? Would this person be more or less sensitive depending on what's going on with their immune system right now? Can we notice an overall pattern based on the sensitivities that we're seeing? Is this a typical profile of someone, in this case, with autoimmunity? When you're making a decision for who you're going to choose for healthcare, especially for chronic illness, ask these people how they think. You know how we think now. I mean, it's not a perfect explanation. Again, this was an off-the-cuff episode. But I think it gives a pretty good overview. I think most people after listening to this would understand what it means to clinically correlate with the individual, to read between the lines of the tests, and to correlate with the other tests and why we use this as a system. You cannot do these standalone tests. It is a disservice to the person. Of course, you can go do it, but you are never ever going to be able to get the same results on a consistent basis that we get with FDN Thrive when you go away from the system. I hope that makes sense. If you guys have any questions about the way that we're doing this, obviously, I think you guys know that you can reach out anytime. A couple ways you can do it. If you go to anchor.fm slash read, R-E-E-D, dash Davis, anchor.fm slash R-E-E-D, dash Davis, you can send us a voice message. You can also email me directly at info at fdnthrive.com. That's info at fdnthrive.com. And we can answer your questions on the show. We're happy to do that. Maybe you're like a little confused about something. That's totally cool. Maybe I said something a little wrong (laughs) and you want some clarity. That's also totally cool. Anything that you want is totally fine in that um, inbox or on these voice messages. We love to get them from you guys. But I hope this makes you think. Because as happy as I am that my mom chose to share this story and we got to share these labs, I think you can probably tell my vibe today is a little different. It's a little more contemplative. It's a little more paused. It's not as rapid of speech as normally. And I actually feel like I'm not speaking as well. And I think that's because when I, when I read these results and I talk about it, it's just a reminder of why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. And I know it's a very similar motivation for uh, all of our coaches and all of the FDN practitioners out there in the world. You don't really get into this work by accident. It's because you saw someone you loved or you saw yourself go through a system that was not made for people with chronic illness. It's not a bad system. It is not a bad system. I won't buy that. I will never promote that. I will not be dogmatic like that. No one at FDN will. Not that I know of. Certainly not the FDN Thrive team, that's for sure. But it's not a system that was meant to deal with my mom's cystic acne or my mom's Graves disease. It wasn't meant for that. It wasn't meant to deal with my mental health challenges with no clear rhyme or reason as to why I had those in terms of uh, no trauma. It wasn't meant for that. 
we got to do something different. My mom lost a lot of her life in the sense of wasting time and wasting hours and wasting days because it's focused on health issues. It is an incredible thing when you come out on the other side of that. It's an f- amazing story to share and it's an empo- it is oh man, it's such an empowering feeling that causes so much gratitude and I know this directly because it's just like wow. When you've been sick your whole life and then you get better, that is a it's it's kind of hard to ever lose that gratitude. I found at least. It's been years and I haven't lost it. I don't think I ever will. I don't think my mom ever will, that's for sure. But I'm someone who thinks about the big picture a lot, and maybe you do too. Of life I'm talking about now, not just our labs. I know I talked about big picture with the labs, but I'm talking about life now. We only have so much time here. Do we want people or ourselves to be spending decades dealing with health issues because they're in the wrong system? Do we want people to be spending tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands? I, I genuinely don't know the answer to this, but I would never tell um, my parents' personal business anyway. I would find it rem- unbelievably, unbelievably hard to say, truthfully, that they have spent anything less than $100,000 on these health issues over time. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of heartache. That's a lot of fights for nothing. It's a lot of confusion. We got to make a difference. And the ways that you can do that is by sharing this information. We appreciate, I can't tell you, I, I know I say this all the time, I can't tell you how much we appreciate when you guys share this stuff on your social media or you leave a five star review you leave some kind words and just let us know that this is helping that matters guys people have a right to know that this exists what they want to do with it that's always fine they can choose whatever option but it's not fair that someone like my mom is going to be sick for over 30 years and that's when she's finally going to get the option she's lucky she didn't die before that So you can help in that way. You can share. And an even more kind of noble and brave way to do it is to do it yourself. That's how you can help. If you know that you need something like this, be a part of the change. Be a lived example. I go in, I'm someone, I, I'm lucky enough to get to speak to schools about my mental health issues. And I don't actually really necessarily even talk too much about the natural side. I'm more just promoting the idea of getting help for my uh, people's mental health issues. And I use my acne transformation picture in there all the time to just show what lifestyle can do. It's crazy. That simple decision to go do something different, to go away from the norm, to say, I'm not going to accept that I'm supposed to be sick my whole life. That sounds like BS to me. It's something not right about that. I'm not going to believe this narrative. That has now been able to impact thousands of people. And I really, I, I feel weird saying that. I hope that that's well received. I am not in any way, shape, or form saying that to try to impress someone or, or brag in any way. I'm, I'm kind of doing the exact opposite. I think I'm a good guy. I think I'm okay. I don't think I'm damn special. Nothing crazy unique about me. And my simple decision 
has led to an impact on thousands of people. What could it do if you did it? What if you just made this decision and five family members, 10 friends, saw the transformation in your health and you impacted those people? That's the best way that you could help support this is be a lived example that it works. Give us a shot. You think these stories, I mean, how many stories do you need to hear? This program works. And what makes something a system is that the process is repeatable. It's duplicatable. The results are duplicatable. That's what makes something a system. If you put something in one end and a random thing comes out every single time, that's not a system. But when you put something in one end and a pretty dang similar thing comes out the other end every single time, that's pretty close to being a good system. I should say it's pretty close to being a perfect system. Obviously, it's a good system. No one has a perfect system yet. We haven't figured that out. But I don't think we're that far off, honestly. I really don't think we're that far off. I hope that if you guys are on the fence about this stuff, you are able to make a clearer decision now after you heard this series. And if my mom's story helped you at all, I know how much she would love just hearing that she helped someone. I mean, my mom is a selfless individual. If you want to shoot us a private message, Instagram is at FDNThrive. You could shoot me an audio message here. You already know how to do that. Anchor.fm slash Reed-Davis. You could shoot me an email, info at FDNThrive.com. I would love to hear that. I'd very much appreciate that. And I will make sure that it's shared with her because I know she'd love it. Next time, we will be back with our quote-unquote normal interviews. Not that my mom was in a normal interview, but I mean with a practitioner. It'll be a great, great episode. I'm looking forward to getting back to that. Because again, as as much fun as this was, it is a little tough sometimes. And so after this, I'm going to remind myself how cool it is that I have my health and my mom has an increasingly better health. I don't think she has it 100% yet. That's okay. But um, she's certainly a lot better than several years ago. We'll tell you that. I don't have to worry every single day that she's going to die randomly or have a heart attack. That's for sure. That's a good feeling. That's progress. I hope that if you are desiring that or needing that, you make the decision to start the process for yourself or someone that you love. www.fdnthrive.com and click that Get Started Here button. Thank you so much for listening to this three-part series. I cannot tell you how much I hope that you enjoyed it and how much we appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again soon. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive Podcast. If you feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues, our team can help. Whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success, spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store, or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal, we have your back. Go to fdnthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health. That's fdnthrive.com.